It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know it's coming. Oh yeah, always hot and fresh just for you, my Cold Sports VIPs. We're going to award those who really acted bad, but we're not going to give them the adult of the month though. No, 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 no. We're going to give them the adult of the quota. Filtered, uncompromising, hard-hitting, inspirational. Call Sports presents Conversations. Welcome to Cold Sports Conversations. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad you're able to join us. Have you ever met a person where no matter when you meet them, how many times you meet them or where you do, that it is impossible for you to not be in a good mood? Well, my next guest is that person. This is the author of My Journey, My Truth, and his journey is inspirational and motivational for anybody. My next guest is John Allen Powell. Get ready for your coffee without even drinking it, because this is our conversation. It's going, buddy. It's going good, man. It's going really good. How about you? How's it going for you? I'm always good, man. And you know, it's a it's an active choice. I always just find a way to make it a good day. I even do this without caffeine. <laughs> so, Whew. man. Okay. Well, yeah. You have to slide that trick over me over me because uh, <laughs> the the early days sometimes gets to me. But <laughs> hey, it's you know, I, really, I mean. Uh, I'm a human being just like everybody else. So, I mean, there's going to be days where you don't want to get up. There's going to be days where you're like, oh, God, I don't want to get out of bed. Right. So those days, it's particularly important to just stand up out of bed, drop down and give yourself like five 10-second push-ups. Do it in 10 seconds, five or 10 of them. You know, get that heart rate going. You don't need a cup of coffee. See, look at that, a tip right there. And you said you weren't a sports guy. Look at you. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> now, okay, correct me in the pronunciation of this. Uh, okay, now you're in Canada. That's not the correct pronunciation of it. You live in the province of Saskatchewan. I have no issue with that one. It's the city. <laughs> now, is it is it Regina or Regina? And I say this because it's like how how people pronounce houston in texas but the street in in new york is houston but it's spelled the same 
<laughs> so, yeah. so is it yeah. Regina or uh, Regina? Well, welcome to the English language. Um, yes. To start with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Where I before E except after C, and it's not true because there's, what, 32 <laughs> words in the English language that's just not true. Right. So, um, technically speaking, the, the city name is named after one of the, the English queens. So, and her name was Regina. However... Because we all speak English, and we're in this side of the pond from England, and apparently we can't even spell aluminum correctly or pronounce it correctly. Um, because over in England, they pronounce it aluminium instead of aluminum. Um, right. We all call it Regina. And the little city slogan is, it's the city that rhymes with fun. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is something where the joke writes itself. Okay. It, it does. It does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, are you a naturalized Canadian? Uh, no. Okay. No, I am. I'm from Texas, born in, in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and then uh, my mom and, uh, well, really, my whole family is either truck drivers or ex-military or things like that so you know moving around a lot um i grew up mostly in tennessee georgia and florida um and then i got married and moved to a place where the wind hurts my face in the winter which you know i I gotta say when i got in canada in 2012 the day that i got here uh okay when i left where i left it was 40 or 50 degrees Fahrenheit where I left. It was wintertime, right? Of course. Um, but when I arrived, it was like six and a half hours later. When I arrived here in Regina, Saskatchewan, it was negative 45 Celsius, six and a half hours difference from where I was. Oh, my god! I thought I was going to die, man. Like, it was, I've never been that cold in my life, ever. <laughs> Wait, that that had to be wind chill. That can't be air temperature. It, it, well, I think the air temperature was negative thirty eight or something like that, and then the wind chill took it to forty five. Good lord! Yeah. Oh god. Well, it's because it's so flat here. Uh, it's like plains. Um, which I mean, I've got pictures and stuff. I, I'd have to send you some pictures so you could feature it on your site. It's nuts here, really. Driving. On the highway, you could see in any direction, you could see to the curvature of the earth. That it's is- so flat. So yeah, it's pretty flat here. <laughs> Good lord, man. That is flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so you said that you're not originally from Canada, but you said you're from San Antonio, which that that is a popular destination for my father uh my my father loves to drag my mother down to san antonio every chance he can get oh they're just so, going to see where i was born that's all it is <laughs> so <laughs> i i think they could probably tell you <laughs> the river walk in alamo and alamo better than anybody else on the planet nice. <laughs> they visited san antonio as much all right so uh, you have well you said that you're not a sports guy but i know in texas you have a sports itch because well it's hard to not follow. <laughs> so, which teams did you like when you were growing up? 
Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I, I more liked um, baseball than than anything else. Um, but oddly enough, I never liked. Right? Uh, I, I mean, I could find the enjoyment in it, but I never really got behind watching any kind of any sport at all on TV. I would much rather have been there to experience all the excitement of the crowd and you know everything, the whole climate of the whole thing. I would have much rather been there than to enjoy it on TV, and I guess that's why it's never really been a big thing for me to be on the sports thing. Um, because I like I, I, it, kind of loses something for me when I'm watching it on television. <clears throat> but I liked uh, baseball. I liked the the Blue Jays, uh, the Cubbies. Yeah, uh, period. I mean, I don't care how good or how bad they play. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm Cubbies. Um. And you got to admit, though, I mean, a sports guy, <clears throat> if there's anybody that likes a sport, if a person is a fan of the Cubs, they are diehard fans. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you, 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 don't, you don't be a Cubs fan without being diehard through the end, good or bad. That's it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've always loved the Cubs. Um but when I lived in Tennessee through my uh, middle school and high school years and such, I started to like the uh, um, the what do they call themselves now? The Volunteers, the the college ball for t- uh, Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, for volunteers. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I want to say when I was a kid, they called themselves something different, and then they renamed it to the Volunteers, or maybe that was the Titans. Yeah, I'm thinking you're probably thinking of the. Of the- the, uh, the NFL team. Yeah, they were the Houston yeah. Oilers, and then they became the Tennessee Oilers, and then they became the Tennessee Titans. Yes, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Um, so, I mean, I was a fan of the, the Volunteers, and then um, I then became a fan of, um, oh, good God, I just had the guy's name, Peyton Manning. Um, I became a fan of him watching the, the, the practice sessions, because I just lived probably a couple of miles from the the stadium there at the ut university yeah and so i'd go and i'd watch the practice games on the field and stuff it's not even really a game i get tickets and i go to the actual game and stuff and i just became a fan of manning and so when manning went to the titans then i followed a little bit of that and then when he went to the Colts, i really followed that you know <laughs> and, so I became a little bit of a Manning fan, but um, again, I didn't really watch it on TV. I just watched it um, when I went to the games. So, yeah, and that's something I've heard with many different people. Uh, so you're not alone in that. People, uh, I've heard people say, you know, watching it on TV, uh, I, I really can't get with that. But you know, the the live experience, much similar to like a concert. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's that's what I like. Yeah, yeah. But, I get nuts, yeah. man. I go to the to the live thing, even if it's a team I don't like, right? I go to the live thing because of the climate of everything. I'll paint the face. I'll go shirtless and do the whole body paint thing. I'll be screaming with horns and whistles and stuff. Like I'll go nuts. It's fun. Now, see that right there is behavior of a soccer fan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll go nuts, buddy. I mean, even if I hate the team, I'll go nuts. I'll root for the other team. I don't care who it is if I hate that team. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And UK, I said soccer, not football. But uh, I digress. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all right. So you're from Texas. You moved to the southeast because uh, you mentioned a few states 
Tennessee, yeah. Georgia. You said Florida too, right? Oh yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah I you... lived in the penis of the United States. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's what it is if you look at the globe. <laughs> I mean, we have to make that joke because I live in Regina, Saskatchewan, the city that rhymes with fun. I mean, we oh, got to make some boy. joke somewhere. <laughs> I will never think of the state of Florida the same way ever again. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely feel for you moving from there to <laughs> Saskatchewan. Yeah, that I would I would believe would be a huge culture emotional and physical shot to your body it it was but you know it's 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 really nice though because up here it's almost like i mean you yourself you're in tennessee so you understand the whole um southern charm and and everybody's nice to each other southern hospitality all that Mm -hmm. it's somewhat similar here it's just not quite to that extent Hmm. okay all right so and and that's the thing I've I've met a few Canadians in in recent times and that's that's sort of the vibe I get it, it you know there's a there's a there's a genteelness about them but it it definitely is not the all shucks and down home and with the country twang feel but yeah I I totally get what you mean I totally oh, get yeah. what you mean so what in particular. Uh, made you move up north was it your wife or was it something else well i got married and moved up north um because let's be honest i mean we're a couple guys here let's be honest when you meet a new girl and you marry her this and that nine times out of ten a guy's gotta go where her family is she doesn't go where his family is bingo so (laughs) yes Yes, and th- yeah, th- this is true on this end too. So, fully, mm-hmm. fully understand that, and yeah, no, no issue at all e- either in in that. So, okay, so your wife's family is in Canada. Yep, but they're all Chilean. They're all from Chile. The, her Chilean. whole family were. Um, um, they they left during uh, like like it was a guy named Pinochet. They left. A, he was like a tyrant and stuff. They left and they they were landing immigrants into Canada and started their new lives up here. So she's Chilean, but she's was born and raised in Canada though. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> a, a, it's, a naturalized Canadian citizen would have fun with us. <laughs> <laughs> A Canadian citizen who actually is Chilean. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's no different than having a U.S. citizen that's uh, Mexican. You know. It's, no. No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. It's. I, I, I'm just loving. I'm just loving the the rich diversity here. That that's oh, yeah. that's what I'm pointing out. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. All right. So you wrote this interesting book titled my journey my truth now man to man here now when i first saw that part of the title it sounded like a millennial type of understanding to life yeah (laughs) oh i know i know you know honestly i think when i get the uh, the second edition out of the book i think i might even change the title oh wow I might. I don't know because I'm not thrilled with the title. I when I wrote the book, I wrote just the book. I didn't have a title. I didn't have a cover. I didn't have nothing. I just wrote a book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and 
this other company that I, that was helping me get the book published, they're like, oh well, let's go back and forth on title names, and and it, it just ended up settling for my journey, my truth, because it scored really high on some uh, program or whatever that said what t- book titles a good title or not. You know, right. so we just settled with that one, and then they did up a cover for me. So really. I wasn't even all that jazzed up on the cover and title. I, I was more jazzed on the story itself. And that gets to the subtitle of your book. That to, that to me, that's truly the hook. Uh, a story of hope, courage, and transformation. Now, what inspired you to put paper to pen with this book? Uh, well, it all okay. started when I was about three years old. <laughs> Start going to the black and white and the flashbacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be to write something. I, I always felt that calling to write. I wrote poetry and stuff like that. You know, whatever short stories. Um, I even wrote. Um, um, I don't know if you got any kids that's listening, but I wrote some other stories that grown women tend to appreciate um, <laughs> um it was a little bit of 50 shades darker though if that makes sense Ooh. <laughs> um <laughs> so okay 100 like, shades of powell gotcha <laughs> yeah like 100 shades of mm. <laughs> um so i've written all kinds of different stories and then i eventually um you know through the process of growing up and changing and evolving your personality and such um, you kind of get to a certain point where I've tried this, I've tried that. Just like, um, for example, uh, when you go into the workforce, right? You, a person starts, they work at McDonald's, they work at, say, their library. Then they go and work at this, uh, like a law firm or something. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they move up. Right. Um, and it was much the same to me. Like, I would try different facets of writing um, because I don't believe that there's anything that's particularly bad about writing it's just the context of whoever sees it you know because good or bad is subjective um so i tried all different myriads of different things of writing and uh, right now i'm i'm on (laughs) self-help you know and i wanted to really dig in and write a whole bunch of self-help books because there's been a lot of people that helped me and i wanted to just sort of give back and help as many other people as I can. So um, that's where the motivation came in. This particularly, the title says My Journey, My Truth. But the goal of the book is to help other people discover their own journey and their own truth. Um, right. So what I did was I wrote about the greatest lessons that I ever learned to change my life. And I gave the psychology behind why the lesson works and how it, you know this other thing doesn't work and things like that. But then I also followed up all of that with incredibly personal stories of my own from my own life of struggle and, and strife um, to illustrate how I applied the lessons and how they helped me. So the book is, I mean, you could say it's... Uh, what is it autobiographical whatever it is right um but it's really not though because it's more focused on the lessons to teach people how to embedder themselves hmm okay wow all right yeah and and that's the vibe i got uh just in reading over the book now because uh, i 
read it a few months back when you uh, released it and got a chance to read it over again and enjoyed it as much as I did the last time I read it. Good. And <laughs> and I think what I really like about your book, well, there's many things I like about your book, but the first thing I liked was that your forward gets really right down to it mm-hmm. where uh, where it stated great attitude produces great results and so forth. Mm-hmm. So how did you view attitude as a conduit for results and success yourself? Um, well, uh, the way that I would say that is um, if you talk to somebody that's a parent, okay, specifically of a teenage child, um, or if you've ever worked in a place that there's been teenagers where you've had to deal with them day in and day out, um, whatever, right? I'm sure almost all of us can think of a time when we've had to interact with a, a, a youthful teenager at some point, or what, even think mm-hmm. back when we were teenagers. Right. Um, and I'm sure that we can all agree that... Whether or not we had a good attitude or a bad attitude affected a lot of things for us as teenagers. And we could even watch that happen for teenagers today. They walk around with a sullen kind of attitude on their look. People don't want to talk to them. They miss employment opportunities. They miss all kinds of things. They miss new relationships even with people um, because they're walking around with this attitude. You know, if it's a negative attitude, nobody wants to associate with that because they don't want to be associated with that negative attitude. They don't want that to infect them, you know, mm. and that that robs you of opportunities. And so I put it right in the book. I'm like, look, a good opportunity produces good results. A great or uh, I'm sorry, a good attitude produces good results. Um, great attitude produces great results. And it's just a matter of being self-aware of that enough to say, hey. This is how it's got to be if I want things to change. Mm, and, and I actually love your choice of word, infect, because I think that's I, I think with with bad attitudes and look, I'm guilty of that. I'm not going to claim that I'm 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 perfect. Uh, I am. I'm perfect. Oh, well, <laughs> well, then I have, I have to take this ball and go home. No, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I could definitely attest to how. You know, when I do have a bad attitude, it 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 reflects on down the line with the results that has happened because of the bad attitude that I have put forth. So and it's amazing how it is a conscious effort and how much it continues to be a conscious effort to actually put forth a good or a great attitude, because, you know, I I want people to to think that they can approach me and, and and. and have a dialogue with me, you know, because mm-hmm. I've, I've had enough of the of the former of of the mean mugging and the bad attitude, you know, because that that has driven away people. And I totally get that. And yeah, when I saw that in your forward, I said, hey, I have to ask him that because that that was a great tone setter for the rest of the book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I actually just had uh, a few days ago, <clears throat> and this was so cool, and, and I, I, that's the best part of publishing a book like this, because I keep getting stories, but um, the other day I went to the gym, and one of the ladies at the gym, um, weeks before whatever, or uh, it's like a month or two before, something like that, she um, she wanted a copy of my book, 
So I brought her a copy of the book, and she'd been going through it and stuff. And um, she stopped me some time ago and was talking about her own story and how the book has encouraged her to even share her story. That um, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, you know, doctors put her on steroids and things like that and said that uh, she'll never be able to lose weight because of the medications, because of her health and, you know, all these different things. Um, And since she read the book, she's had a different mindset about it and she's using my life in the book. So, you know, uh, another person's opinion doesn't have to dictate my reality. And... Um, she's been using that, and since that time, she's lost 30 pounds. And I thought, my goodness. You know, like, I, I get all these people that, that, that keep coming to me with all these stories. I, another podcaster friend, when he went through the book, he started talking about how uh, the book was helping him recognize triggers for his PTSD so that he can overcome his PTSD. Man, you know, two wildly different stories, but they all come from the same book. Yeah, wow. Yeah, like I said, you you have an instrument of of change here, and and I'm glad that you actually decided to put this in a book because all of us, even myself, need it. So I'm I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. In fact, in chapter two. That that harkens me back to when I would hear people say to me, you've got to change the narrative to your life, you know, and of course, it's yeah. titled Change Your Story. That's the title of that chapter. So mm-hmm. how pati- uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say the story, um, since we're talking about the context of the narrative and the story, the story literally is what we each of us as human beings we you know an event happens somebody says something you go through an experience whatever it is divorce uh breaking up of friends you meet someone new whatever um in our minds we assign what something means and then that meaning becomes the story so that's what chapter two is all about is changing that story in our minds from either negative to a positive type thing Mm. Wow, exactly. And that was the vibe I got. So it made me think, well, how did your story change? Oh, God, my story has changed so much. And it's um, <clears throat> it's actually funny that you bring this up, because this is a really good time for me to plug and talk about the next book. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, the next book that I'm doing is all about um, confidence. So, but there's a line in the next book. I'm trying to open it here so that I can uh, really give it to you to answer your question. Okay. Um, All right. Um, Okay. Sorry about that. I I know it's a little dead space, but um, to answer your question is, I believe that, um, and this is a part of my next book, and it says, authenticity in the context of human behavior and personality is a myth it is the justification we use to judge each other it is the structure of limitations we set upon ourselves and it is the lie that invites people to masquerade around as the great nothing because every person who has ever existed is the summation of their experiences beliefs and thoughts so basically our personalities are directly influenced by everyone else you know we mimic other people's personalities that we've grown up with our whole lives basically 
So there really isn't an authenticity there. There's nothing really super original about that. You know, there's fragmented pieces, but the overall whole isn't super, super original. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so oh, yeah. yeah, it does. For for me, and this is true for everybody, but for me through my journey, that you know, I started as one way and ended up as a completely different way and personality-wise. When I was a kid, I went through uh, you know horrible abuse and such, which is in this book that we're talking about, the first book. Um, <laughs> I went through horrible abuse as a kid, and that made me angry, resentful, um, sometimes violent with people, uh, judgmental, everything. Whatever negative you can put, that's what I was doing. <clears throat> and over the years of helping people and all this net now it's i'm just a helpful kind of person i'm trying to think of a better way of putting it some better fluffier words but i mean just say it like it is i'm just a better person yeah yeah uh and judging by what i have written this book and what i've what I know of you in conversations that I've had, that bears it out that that you are a quality human being. And you know, going back to the going back to the purpose of changing your story, that's exactly what I took from it. That mm-hmm. that we all seemingly have things in our past that we have to rid ourselves of. And before we know it, when we actually have the maturity to understand that it actually is dictating who we are, mm-hmm. you see a lot of damage <laughs> in your life. Oh, yes. You know, Absolutely. You know, so it is it is really important. And I, I and I love the fact that you say, well, you have to change your story because you're not this. You have to be a better version of yourself. Exactly. And you gotta you gotta make the steps necessary to become the better self. And if you mm-hmm. don't, you're gonna be stuck in the bitter, angry, uh, vengeful, poisonous type of uh, type of life. And that's not good for anybody. Well, see, there's a line in the book, and this is one of my favorite lines. Um, when it struck me, I, I I had to go celebrate. I'm like, oh yeah, I got a good line for the book when I was writing it. You know. Um, but in the book, uh, there's a line that says, I may have been abused in my past, but that does not obligate me to abuse my own future through fears and insecurities. Now, see, I would drop my mic, but this is a vi- very valuable piece of equipment, so I can't do that. <laughs> can't drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is a good you line. You left it cold like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, that is a quality line. I love that. I would steal it, but I can't because uh, that's yours. Yeah, I'm saying it's copywritten, so I can't steal it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. So yeah, I mean, and that's the point of it. And it. That just illustrates the importance of rewriting the story. Is that yes, in my own con- and again, you know, I gave the lesson, the the psychology behind it. Then I gave context from my own experiences to illustrate the points. Right. So that's rinse and repeat throughout the whole book right um but in my own context of rewriting the story the realization that i had to come to was yes i have been abused in my past yes i've been beaten yes i've been molested i've had cigarettes put out of me i've been stabbed I, all these things right yes these things have happened to me but it is my choice 
from this moment on whether or not I'm going to let those things dictate the rest of my life moving forward or can I say yes that happened in the past yes that maybe changed me in my personality what I am today yes that influenced me but that doesn't mean that I'm obligated to move forward with fears insecurities anger uh, resentment and things like that I'm not obligated if I'm doing that if I'm still moving forward with those things then number one I'm still giving power and authority to the people that took their power and authority over me exactly. and number two I'm not really making a personal choice I'm just taking the easy cop out road right exactly yeah because it's it, it's too much any of us it's too much to actually own the events that's happened in our lives enough to actually say, okay, I got to affect the change in it now mm-hmm. because it's much easier to pass the buck. So yeah, I, I totally get that. And not to say that, that, you know, you're that, that, that you're, um, hmm, how can I say this? Giving a pass, so to speak to the people who heap that hatred and poison upon you. No, not at all. No, but what you giving a pass to that at all? No, no. It's, that's no. people that that is trying to that they themselves don't really have any kind of of self worth or self power or self authority. Um, they themselves they don't have that. So what they do they try to steal that from those that they see are weaker than them. Whether that be a child, a woman, uh, um, you know, a, a guy, whatever that's the nature of bullying they themselves don't have the confidence the self-assurance whatever the self-authority they don't have these things so they go and actively try to steal that from someone else so that they can feel like they have it at least temporarily and then what you produce there is you actually have the understanding that this person is trying to put forth this poison upon me mm-hmm and I can step back and look at that and say, you know what? Is it me? And they tried to they tried to break me down, but didn't. But what you what you're talking about is forgiveness. And when and when people ask me about that, you described exactly what forgiveness is. You know, it's like it's not a it's not a car it's not a free pass for a person to do messed up stuff to you. Mm-hmm. But it is a choice that you're making saying that what happened to me, either by this circumstance or by this person, is no longer going to affect me here and now. That's right. Let me give that some context, okay? When I was, this is in the final chapter of the book, so if you get the book, you can read about it yourself and get more context. I encourage you to do so. Um, But when I was going through the abuse, I realized... um, that, I mean, these are the times that I hate the most. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this when I was going through it. And for years afterwards, I mean, if I'm being truthful. Um, but um, when I started to develop a new mindset about it, I started to say that if it wasn't for the times that I hated the most, if I hadn't experienced those, if I hadn't gone through that, then I would never be the person that I am today to have the things that I now love the most. Does that make sense? It actually makes a lot of sense. It does. So in that context, I am deeply thankful 
for all of the pain and the hurt that anyone has ever put me through. In fact, at the end of my book, you, you know, most people put the special thanks at the end of a book. Um, the final special thanks is to everyone that's ever abused or misused me in any way. Because of them, I am better and stronger today because of their influence. Mm. You know, and it's not about me getting revenge. It's not about, you know, sticking my tongue out and say, yeah, now what? You can't touch me, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. If it was about that, then I'd still be living in that pain that they caused. Exactly. It's about the, the fact that I've, I've let those chains go. I'm liberated from those things. And now I'm saying, man, you know, they hurt so much, but I am who I am today because of this. And I, I you know, who I am today, I, I kind of like that guy. So thank you for making me that person that I am today. Hmm. You know, um, and that's that's what I've got in the book is that, you know, to me at this point, I don't think I think I've grown a little that next step past forgiveness. I, I mean, I went through the forgiveness stage and I was trying to forget people and, you know, I let go of some things and I forgave them. They were still there nagging in me from time to time, but I forgave the people. You know, it's just the pain of it. Yeah, for the act. Um, for the act. But I think I, I finally grew past that stage mm-hmm. of forgiveness to where I started to appreciate the influence. And now people ask me if I'd ever do it all again. I'm like, absolutely. I'd do it twice if it means that I could be doing what I'm now doing sooner I'd, I'd even go do it twice more all of it again now that is a revolutionary thought process uh, you know I, I totally get exactly what you're saying but that's a revolutionary thought process because normally the thought process is well if good things happen to you you end up being a good person if bad things happen to you you normally end up being a bad one but I've I've seen a lot of people not just you that have gone through uh, traumatic experiences, you know, mm-hmm. divorce or abuse or rape or anything of that nature. And it happened years, maybe even decades ago. But when I when I talk to them, they, they seem to be the nicest, sweetest people I have ever known. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking yep. to I remember talking to a, a, a friend of mine I've known now for wow seven no eighteen years now, mm-hmm. and uh, when I when I talked to her about when, when we were talking about this she said to me I wouldn't be the person that I am now because I it remarked to her wow you're you're a loving person you have a you have a warm heart what what made you have that mm-hmm. and she and she actually said it's because of the abuse that I received long before now and i processed all of that forgave whomever and then walked past that grew past that even grew past the forgiveness and that's what you're saying to grow past that and it shaped me to be a better human being and it makes me able to accept and embrace more of life mm-hmm. and and i said man that's such a revolutionary thought process and, and that was the first time i thought Pain could actually be good from the standpoint of if you're willing to deal with it and grow beyond it. Wow, the right. the, the pleasure you actually get a chance to witness, see, and feel ex- extends itself exponentially beyond the pain it that you does. suffered. It does, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, I totally get that. 
Well, you know, in, in the book, I actually talk to some a lot of people in the world that believe in, you know, uh, fates or fatalistic things or um, uh, divine plans, you know, th- these types of, of themes, right? So uh, things only happen because they were destined to happen, blah, 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 right? And I put in the book that, you know, if the universe in all of its infinite wisdom, whatever you want to call it, had the, the, the plan to put me where I'm going to be in life, then it had the infinite wisdom to put me through the experiences that I went through because it knew that I was built to last. Mm. You know, if you're going through the fate system, the fate belief system, then, I mean, that's how I look at it. You know, putting it in that context. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, Anthony Robbins um, even d- did a talk a long, 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 long time ago um, about um, one lady being abused and such. And he made the comment that, uh, I, I forgive me, I can't remember it word for word, but he made the comment to the extent that it's when people who are supposed to love you the most are the ones that hurt you the most. most. It builds a spiritual kind of strength. And only those with that level of spiritual strength can really step out and impact and make a huge difference in the lives of other people. Mm. And I don't know if I completely agree with that, but it is kind of a nice sentiment. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I could could totally see that. And... I try to live that as much as I possibly can. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's mind blowing and mind changing and life changing. Mm-hmm. And again, I put it in the book because it changed my life. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now the, now switching gears a bit, th- there's a chapter in your book that I think could closely relate to sports for sure. I think most of it definitely can, but this chapter for sure does because it reminds me of a John Wooden quote when he would say to his players, be quick, but don't hurry. You have a chapter in your book that says move before you're ready. And when I saw that after the forward, I've I've actually dove into that chapter first (laughs) and then went the then went the rest of the route after that. And I was like, move before you're ready. It just, it just, it just rings of a woodenism when I saw that. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the motivation in move before you're ready for you? Well, um, over the years, I've been, you know, coaching a lot of people. Even before I even knew what the heck coaching was, I've been coaching people, giving advice and things like that. So, um, I, I guess I was always working towards this direction in life and just never really knew it. Um, but over the years, I've noticed that a lot of people say, well, I would, but, or someday I'm going to do this, or um, I want to do this, but I'm not ready. You know, it, it, there's all these excuses. Like, I want to go to college, but I didn't do this, or I don't have the money. I want to start my own business, but I don't have the time. I don't have the money. It, it, there's all these things. And... Uh, what I see is people really, what they're doing is they're using an excuse to validate their own inaction, is what they're doing. They're saying, I believe this thing that I want to do is too, is going to be too much for me to handle. I don't think that I can handle it. 
so I'm not even going to try. Or worse yet, there's people that have started working on it. They have went to, say, college to work on a degree to get that job that they want. And then they finish college, and then they go and take an extra course, and they go take this extra thing, and they do this extra thing over here. And they're constantly trying to be ready for an opportunity that they didn't have to put that much work into to be ready for it. Because it doesn't have to be perfect. Perfection is a myth, right? It's, it is literally a myth. It's the excuse we use to validate our own inaction. We try to say, well, I'm going to wait for it to be perfect before I launch it. Um, I'm sure when you did this podcast, you said, well, I don't want to put the podcast out until it's just right. You know? Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. That's the just go before you feel like you're ready. Just put it out there because it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to find a way to improve upon it. You're always going to find a way to make better, even when no one else thinks you can. There's always going to be something down the road to make it better. It's never going to be perfect. So why wait for perfection? And it's funny you mentioned my podcast in that explanation. Uh, when I started this a year and a month ago, actually a year and two months ago now, I basically just pressed record. <laughs> on a, on a smartphone and talked for roughly two hours and then when I listened to it I I, I saw that I, I pressed stop looked at the time I said okay two things are going to happen one I will never record an episode that long ever again in life <laughs> <laughs> and two I am definitely going to improve upon this and come up with methods to actually tweak and change and, and, and improve upon it that's right and and if I were to have waited until how my podcast sounds now, you're right. I would have never started. So you're exactly, exactly right. Uh, I, and and that's what really jumped at me. I loved that description of what do you have to lose? Go for it. Yeah. You know, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh, well, I really want to go ask this person for some help because they're more successful than me. Um I don't want money. I just I want some advice. I want some some mentoring. I want some some you know some teaching. And I said, well, go ask them. Just just go ask. And they're saying, yeah, but I can't do that, man. I can't. What if they say no? And I'm like, well, you didn't have it to start with. What are you worried about losing? <laughs> you didn't, you already don't have it. All you're gonna do is gain potentially. You can't lose anything. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes me think of uh, Don't Me Menace uh, the South Central Drinking Juice in the Hood. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the character that, that Keenan Ivans played, whenever some nugget dropped, I loved how he would pop his head and say, Message! That's how I felt. That's what I felt when you just said that. I felt like going, Message! But I didn't want to start you in doing it. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, so yeah, I mean, yeah. It, and it, that actually leads into a lot of the stuff that I'm currently doing. Um, you know, even I, I'm a human being again, just like everybody else. I struggle with this sometimes too. And the perfect I'm human being you are. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm perfect. Remember. <laughs> Um, but I'm currently actually working on uh, uh, launching an educational course online um, based on all the concepts of the book, 
um, all the concepts of my next book, and then even more concepts that weren't even in any books yet. Um, so I'm, I'm launching a whole education course, um, but I'm, it's not just the course. I'm basically I'm launching an academy for self-development and, and self-improvement, and I'm going to be putting multiple courses into it of my own creation. I'm going to be bringing other people that have truly award-winning courses with really amazing content and bring them in and do certification programs and such through the academy and do it like an online university. Wow. Yeah. I, I can envision that in my head. That actually is a really good idea. Wow. So I'm actually about to roll that out here in the next couple of months and start the beginning phases. I'm putting my own course in. Um, where you know how um, you may or may not know, um, but um, how people like Anthony Robbins, Les Brown, um, Brendan Burchard, these self-help guru guys, yeah, they put out their courses, and their courses cost you know anywhere between three Thousands. grand to ten thousand dollars for people to go to these courses, mm-hmm. and their courses, generally speaking, are an hour video per week for however many weeks, which is typically about eight or nine weeks, something like that. So you're paying three to 10 grand for eight or nine hours of content. Well, great content. Don't get me wrong, but it's eight or nine hours of content for about three to 10 grand is what they're charging. What I'm doing is I'm going to be putting out about 29 hours of content with my course broken down into shorter videos over a 12 week period for less than a thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. That's some value there. What I want to do is, I mean, yeah, you know, it's nice. Everybody can talk about lining their pockets, making it rich. Everybody, everybody dreams about being rich. I don't care who you are. I don't care how selfless, Nelson Mandela at some point has thought about being rich. I promise you. Right? <laughs> right. Um, but for me, it's not about that. It's about I want to bring these kind of levels of teaching these these things of value to the everyday man. But there's also a psychology behind it. If a person doesn't put a little bit of skin in the game, it doesn't matter as much to them, so they'll blow off. Right? So I still have to charge something for it. I can't just put it out there for free. Like, if I won the lottery, I don't, I'm never worried about bills again. I'd put it out for free and just take it or leave it, whatever. That's that's out for free. Of course. But, I mean, guys got bills to pay. I got a family to support just like anybody else. Um, and yes, I have thought about being rich, blah, blah, blah. But this whole goal, this publishing this book and this, this academy that I'm putting out, and I'm going to be putting out a, a live weekly show, um, all these things... It's not about becoming rich. It's about bringing substantial, real value to the rest of the world because other people have done the same for me. Hmm. Wow. And it, it goes it goes back to the purpose of your whole book. It mm-hmm. it it. I only think of three words when I read the whole thing that just screams out loud to me like it's a neon sign flashing at night. Pay it forward. Yeah. You know, and even your, even the future instructional uh, videos that you're going to do and the academy that you're forming, 
it, it sounds like it is a pay it for type of mentality and mindset. And yeah, beyond the bills that you pay, you definitely will be rich in other ways and you'll be rich <laughs> monetarily well, as well. Well, and that's the thing. It, and, you know, it's hard for a guy to claim what they're going to do with something that they don't yet have, right? I mean, what I would idealistically like to think that I would do, <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest here. I'm putting everything on the table. I'm not going to claim that I'm this or that, right? Aside from being perfect, I already claimed that, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, idealistically, what I'd like to do is something like, uh, kind of like how Keanu Reeves does. Um, the reason why I like Keanu Reeves so much is because, I think it's, what is it, 70% of all the income he makes goes off to charities for, like, cancer support and stuff. Mm. You know, he's one of the biggest names in Hollywood. The guy makes millions. Of film. But he lives in a little condo, a normal, everyday condo. He rides the the subway train, and he gives about 70% of his income away to charities. Wow. You know, and ideally... I'd like to do something like that. Put some money aside for any of my kids' college, you know, support my family. But, I mean, who needs $400 million sitting in the bank? Really? Who needs that? Uh, appa- uh, apparently, Diddy. But uh, that's the yeah, size uh, of point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that really, is that. You know, yeah. I don't have a need for that stuff. You know who does need that kind of money? Cancer kids. Ex- exactly. Or... Uh, kids, kids that are that, that are suicidal and stuff that need counseling and, and such in schools. Yes. Or feeding homeless people, putting roofs over some homeless people's heads. Mm-hmm. You know, that's people who do need that kind of money. I don't need that kind of money sitting in my bank just to make me feel good about myself. I already feel good about myself. And that's really what wealth is supposed to do. It is supposed to actually help others who can't help themselves. Yeah. And that is the true understanding of richness, really. You know, that that is when you really are rich, when you actually can can say, you know what, I'm I am I am so well off. I'm willing to actually help others who don't have that that resource. I have that resource for them. I can lend that that distance to them. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that is powerful. And- I don't want to be like Ellen or anything, which I love Ellen. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be like Ellen or any of these guys with a talk show that that put it on their show that they go and help this and that other person. I'd rather just read the newspaper, see a story that somebody needs help, and then just either physically go there and lend two hands to help with the cleanup process or send them some money or call the right people and send them some resources for networking or something instead of going and, and grandstanding for effect to get all the attention I'd rather just do it that way and actually provide help yeah yeah because that's what's needed yeah I mean that's what people did for me when I was homeless and living under a bridge and destitute and it didn't have anything in the world it didn't I mean I couldn't I couldn't fathom that there was other people in the world that cared enough about me to help me, right? That I, you know, I could have used somebody doing that to help. Right. Yeah, and we, and at, at times, not all of us may not have been homeless, but at times we all need that help. We all yeah. need that assistance. 
And, and you know what? A lot of times we're always like, oh, I, I don't need help. We tell right. people, I don't need help, but well, you, we do. You're, you're going down. The, you were going down the path I was going down. Yeah. And uh, all of us need that. All of us need that assistance. And if if each of us were to do that to one another, man, just think of how, how much better this world would be. Mm-hmm. Now, you have dropped so much wisdom on this show. Uh, I, I really I really dislike having to end it, but <laughs> any parting shots to anybody, any other uh, proclamations of perfection that you may have or any other words of wisdom you may have, feel free at this time. The floor is yours. Uh, you know, I just I don't really have too, too much. I try to be simple. Um, you have to looking forward. I mean, if I'm going to give you a little pearl of wisdom and that sort of thing. Looking forward with your life, you have to—I don't know—you have to make, you have to take the time to define what your own path is, not what anyone else says it is, because you'll find that the world will will very, very quickly start defining what your path is for you. Oh, yeah. So you have to sit down. You have to figure out what is it that you like to do. What are you good at? What it, what resonates with you? And just start working down that path, regardless of whether or not you think you can earn a living at it or make money. There's people that do what they love doing for free as a hobby. Look at Wikipedia, for Christ's sakes. Wikipedia is free. Somebody just loved to share information, so they wrote the whole program for Wikipedia and gave it away for free. Uh, You don't have to make money off of what you're passionate about. Let your passion give you a transcendent purpose to help you define who you are and your path in life instead of having the world define it for you. You don't need to go out and make money off of it. Do it because you're passionate, not because you're chasing a paycheck. Mm. Wow. The author of My Journey, My Truth, A Story of Hope, Courage, and Transformation, John Allen Powell. John, as always, it was a pleasure, and it was an honor to actually have this conversation with you. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Continue success. Yeah, you too, buddy. Once again, that is John Allen Powell, the author of My Journey, My Truth, and he is going to do a whole lot more than just write books. As you can hear, he has a gift for Gab, and he has a story that can tell so many Minor stories along with it. Continued success to him and hopefully his brand grows and grows from here. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you've heard thus far, a regular show, a special or an interview, why don't you come follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore sports. That's sports with a Z. You can also follow me on Facebook, Cole Sports. Again, that's sports with a Z. Make your presence felt. Make your voice heard. Come on down to the Cold Sports VIP room. Search in groups. Cold Sports VIP room. That is sports with a Z. To my Canadian friends up north, that is sports with a Z. You can also follow me on social media platforms galore. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, TuneIn, Acast, Blueberry. Like, share, rate, review, subscribe raise the platform of this show more importantly though follow me on coldsports.com that's coldsports.com you can check this episode and any episode of this brand on coldsports 
with a Z dot com. No matter what you do, though, with this brand, my hope is that you enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson bringing you sports on another level. And this is yet another Cole Sports presentation of Conversations. And as always, keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.